Turn in your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 4. I had every intention and had purposed for the last week preparing uh, a summer series, and we will get to it, Lord willing, on higher and deeper. Um, let me tell you the premise so you'll prepare, and I want you to be here all summer with me. Um, much is said in Christian circles about higher. Let's go higher, next level, go to the next place, the new dimension. God has all of this for you. Much is said of higher, but very little is said of deeper. Deeper, over the last 10 or 20 years, I guess, in uh, uh, Pentecostal charismatic circles especially, has a negative connotation with it. Like, oh, they're so deep, you know, they're so heavenly minded, they're not no earthly good. But that's not what deeper is described of in Scripture. Deeper is a dissension. It's a kneeling. It's a digging out. It's foundational. And uh, deeper is not glorious, but it's structural. And here's the premise for our summer series. Everybody that has higher doesn't necessarily have deeper. But everybody that has deeper has higher. And they don't lose those experiences. So it's going to be, uh, we're going to till up the soil of our heart. We're going to knock out the walls. You can just ha hang a sign around our neck, pardon our progress. We're going to have sheetrock everywhere. But I pray by the end of summer that we'll be stronger in our faith than ever before. More secure. Many people ask me about the last days and what do you see coming. And there's so many ways to answer that. But I see believers falling away. And I see believers standing firm. And I want to make sure that I'm in that number. I want to work out my salvation in fear and trembling. I don't care what's current. I don't care what's new. I don't care what the fad is. I want some roots up in here. I want some strength and the capacity to endure and to persevere with joy. And so, having said that, this is, some preachers do this all the time. You know, they just said, I had something to preach and the Lord changed it and what that could mean is they don't have no notes they didn't prepare and they're just winging it but I, I'll show you my notes but I felt the Lord there was such an anointing on that he's with you he's with you that I just want to exhort you this morning and Lord I trust I'm in your will doing this I believe I am and um, I just pray over the next few moments Lord that you would just anoint me to say the things that you would have me to say pull from my history and my messages and studies that I have on this uh, passage and then drop in my heart things that I've never seen before that we might recognize, appreciate, and anticipate your presence and let it change the dynamics and the outcomes of our days that are to follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me and uh, open your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Thank you for uh, the Bible, Miss Bibb. Thank you very much. And I wrote in it and everything. I, you know, it's scary to give the pastor your Bible. You could have all kind of stuff in there, you know. I just, I thumbed through this one a little bit. and it's, I love Pastor John so much. He's, he's my favorite preacher. You know, never mind, just, just thought I'd read that to you. That's when I knew I was in the will of God. No, I'm teasing. Verse 35, are you there? And as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus as he was in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind. And there were other little boats that followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. 
Jesus was sleeping at the back part of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown or that we perish? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Peace, be still. And suddenly, somebody say suddenly, the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked his disciples, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? No faith when the greatest object of faith was right there. No faith when the history of walking with him mandated that they believe. No faith when they'd seen Jesus open the eyes of the blind, uh, open the ears of the deaf, raise the dead, walk on what No faith, and that's our problem. The, the current of this world and the spirit of this world numbs our heart. It's not that we don't have faith. It's that it's of no value to us because it's buried in thoughts and feelings and perceptions. And we need to dig out that well again. We need to get it out to where that which is in us comes to the surface at a moment's notice and said, I, I still believe the Lord. No faith. And the disciples were absolutely terrified. They went from fearing the storm to fearing Jesus. See, revelation uh, is not about you going forward. It's you bowing down. It's, oh, I was scared of the storm and I ought to be scared of you in the sense I ought to reverence you and fear you. And they say, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. To overcome in this last day, you've got to deal with your doubts. Don't ignore them. Don't uh, build a monument to them. Don't dilute them. Deal with them. People that just, oh, I don't, I don't. Kelly, will you hold this for me? That's the OCD just bothers me. I'm sitting there staring at my. But it's a godly kind of OCD. It's a good one. We, we, we have to have the faith for us that will navigate all the situations and circumstances. Listen, not by choice, but reflexively. Just something comes up, well, Lord. Something comes up, but God said. Faith. These storms, like in this passage, in the storms of life, the things that come upon you, do not make you, they reveal you. You are made in the quiet place. You are made in the study of Scripture. So notice that the disciples, there's a parallel in the natural as there is in the spiritual. They walked with the Lord. We walk with the Lord. They listened to His words. We listened to His words. They saw His glory. The Bible said, we beheld His glory. Glory of the only begotten of God, full of grace and full of truth. We behold His glory. We witness and receive His miracles. We receive of His Spirit. They received of His Spirit. God uses us. God uses us. And then we get in the situations and we forget. How, you look at them and go, how? How do you forget? The same way we do. The cares of this world come up and choke the very things God has taught us. And we see other people falter and fail. And we should not decide or get our uh, assess where we are and who we are by what we feel or what others say, but by our experience with the Lord God. you got to stop listening to other people and listen to your heart and listen to your experience. So, 
we got to deal with these doubts. Don't, don't, don't set them off to the side and say, I believe when you don't believe. Address them. Say, Lord, uh, it's like, I believe. Help my unbelief. Because unbelief cuts me off from provision. It cuts me off from protection. Unbelief cuts me off from miracles and powers. I have to believe. So deal with it. Bring it out in the open and say, here it is. I want to work through my doubts. And here's the beauty. See, if you just throw them away, they're still there. They're going to crop up in pivotal times if you don't deal with them. But when you deal with doubts and work through them with authenticity and transparency, doubts become the worked through doubts become the concrete of your soul. You'd say, I used to struggle with that. Not no more. I believe. See, that's, that's the healthy part. So don't ignore our frailty. Work through it. Look in the mirror of God's word. See where we're falling short. And make sure that you're a believer. And they called them believers. Believing in the person. Believing in the presence. Believing in the power and the authority of God. That's the overcoming Christian life. So let's deal with a couple of those doubts this morning. And the Lord knew who would be here. And I hope this is an encouragement for those that God had this word for today. Verse 35, and as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake. They doubted God's word. Let's go to the other side of the lake. When Jesus said you're going to the other side of the lake, as a matter of fact, somebody with a good spiritual voice, read deep spiritual voice, stand up and read loudly, Mark 5 verse 1. I'm going to read this and then you, who's first? Who's going to do it for me? Stand up. So I know where you are. Mark 5, 1. Oh, come on. Who's going to do it? All right. I'm going to do mine first, Charlie. Ready? Mark 4, 35. And as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake. That's it. That's all I needed. Your job's done. <laughs> Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And they came The battle happens in verse 36, 37, 38, 39. Jesus didn't tell us about all of that. If God told you you're going to the other side, to the other side you're going to go. That's it. That's it. Pepe, if God says he's going to take care of us, he's going to take care of your babies. We have to work. We have to work hard. We have to be faithful, but the provision is not up to us. Every man in this room, provision is not up to you. You work as if it's up to you, but you sleep as if it's up to God. God will take care of you. When he said, you are my property, you are the workmanship of my hands, I am responsible for you. I paid for you, I will establish you, and I'll bring you home. That's what's going to happen. Well, how are we going to, I don't know. I don't know is a freeing thing. Well, how is this? I don't know. But what did he tell you about your babies? One of them's done told you I'm in an alternative lifestyle. The other one said, I don't want nothing to do with God. You are your church. What, what are you going to do? What did God tell you when you committed that baby to the Lord? Whatsoever you commit to me, I will keep into that day. So God has a problem. That little girl has free moral will, free moral agency. She has her own will. And you're praying in the will of God. The Bible said, whatever things we ask in his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know we have the petitions we desire of him. So God has a problem. Except God doesn't have any problems. So what's the problem? Well, God just makes her life such a hell she wants to be saved. 
You have to come to the place where for you, you stop trying to look smart and just live simple. God said, we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. God said, he's going to take care of my babies, he's going to take care of my babies. God said, he's going to relocate us, he's going to relocate us. God said, he would open a door for me in my quiet time. It's marked in my Bible on this day that he would open a door. And I am waiting to, and looking and I'm going to hear a hinge not too long from now. Just Very rarely will you be able to predict how he's going to do it. And God doesn't want you to predict it. He wants you to be in anticipation saying, I believe. I believe. Why weren't the disciples sleeping with him? Now, we got to have somebody man in the boat. Everybody can't be sleeping. Because belief brings rest. What did God promise you years back? What did you used to pray towards but you don't pray towards no more because a lot of time passed and things happened that he didn't mention with the promise. He didn't mention a storm coming up. He didn't mention a leaky boat. He didn't mention uh, an un, uh, a God that's not helping. He didn't mention any of that. What did, what, did, what did you stop believing for because time happened and the unforeseen happened and all you had was your little crusty... One sentence, word from the Lord in a gymnasium that we're not even sure now if it was a word from the Lord. That's the common cop-out. Well, maybe I didn't hear from you. That's what the devil told Eve. Did God really say, did you really hear that you'll die? You're not going to surely die if you eat the fruit because the devil knows if, if he can get you to disconnect from God's word, he's got you. But if you've got God's word on it, when he called me to pioneer this church 23 years ago, he didn't even give me a plan. Sorry, no plan. But it was his idea. And I, I may struggle as a Christian in several areas. And I may disappoint you in several areas. But I don't ever worry about provision in this place. Ever. It's his church. Well, what do you mean? I got a scripture on it. What's the scripture? He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it the only way I can come in to worry if it's my church or your church or our church and let's all have buy-in and everybody gives money and we'll put a tree out in the foyer and show what everybody gave and we own the church then we got trouble I don't work where's it gonna come from I don't know I've seen the crowds rise I've seen them swell we've lived in the hood we've lived in an apartment we've worshiped we we all it just happens, but the, the, the glory of believing is not receiving. The glory of believing is rest in the journey. We're gonna get to the other side of the lake. Now, your pastor gonna tell you the truth. You may not look like much when you get there. <laughs> Have you ever made it? You remember Paul's ship? You remember the shipwreck and it all broke and they all swam and they all made it to shore. It said, and some floated in on a little piece of wood. People couldn't swim. Now that, if you hear shipwreck and you're a swimmer, that's one thing. If you're somebody like me, like, I can swim. If you push me in, I can swim the length of the pool. But like, let's go snorkeling. Just drop me off in the reef and leave me for now. Uh-uh. And if you get the news, you're going to make it. Have you ever floated in on a little piece of something? But you made it in. Sometimes Paul was delivered 
and angels came and Peter was delivered and the angel, the prison doors would just swing open and men standing at attention couldn't even see them. Was that like Klingon cloaking stuff or... They didn't go blind because they could see everything else and they just walked past them. Paul says sometimes the deliverance is so glorious. And then Paul said, in one time a, window, uh, a woman let me down in a bucket out of a window. That's a healthy girl. That's Inga. Inga like, I got you. The Norwegian princess. Friends can get in bucket too. Come on. We get everybody down. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please don't write me about that, please. Don't doubt his word. Now, don't just go, I believe it. Mm -mm. Be honest. Get alone. Open your Bible. Whether you have to stop at the one verse, a journal, walk, pray, whatever. Don't stop dealing with it till you can, with integrity, look at the face of God and say, I believe you. He don't mind process. What he hates is inauthenticity. What he, will not believe, what he will not deal with is you saying one thing and being another. Ask Ananias and Sapphira in, in the book of Acts. Yeah, we sold it for this amount. He said, why would you tempt the Lord? When it was in your hand, wasn't it in your power to do with as you choose? Why would you represent yourself as higher when you're not? Just deal honestly with it. What if someone came and said, you know, everybody's given and this is all we have and I'm, I'm really struggling with it, Lord. I, I, I want to give to you today, and so I'm going to give you half of it, and I'm going to go home, and I'll, I'll come back and give you half. How would the Lord deal with them? Well, I never asked you to give it all anyway. You just walk with me as you can. Keep up the honesty. Deal with your doubts. Don't abort them, and don't cover them up with Christian cliches. Please, don't cover them up with a hashtag, because the storm, hashtags are paper mache. When a storm hits, it, it just goes through it. It's got to be in the fabric of who you are. Verse 36, so they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind. Although there were other little boats that followed. No mention about them other little boats making it. We don't know if they did or didn't, but just a thought. You can preach on that. Terry, preach on that for me. The other little boats. There's, it said, but soon a fierce storm came up. Does somebody else have a different translation? Great storm arose. Is that King James? Somebody else, a different translation. A furious storm came up, okay? They doubted Jesus' control. Part of that, too, is like control slash uh, knowledge. Why would Jesus say, go to the other side and not tell us about the storm? And God is quiet. Why is it when all hell breaks loose, you doubt God's control? Because he spoke of the other side. Lily fields and flowers and kids chasing butterflies and cool breezes. That's how we think. And you have to come to a place individually. And by the way, husband and wife, you can't take each other with you. You have to take this journey by yourself. Now, you can enjoy it collectively. But where you say... I don't care what's happening on the outside. God's word is still paramount. And he's in control. I need to know that all hell's not breaking loose in my life. 
I need to know that God's not asleep at the wheel and the devil is just running rampant. I need to know that the steps of my life are ordered, not suggested. Ordered by the Lord. And everything that happens to me and everything that comes against me comes through God's okay or God plans it. He either plans it or allows it. And that knowledge of God being in control does not console you unless you know who God is. This is the one that loves me. This is the one that cares for me. This is the one that's so current with he that he counts my hairs. This is the one that died for me. This is the one whose banner over me is love and who's precious. And he's the one controlling this. And although the storm is fierce, the one behind it is not, I believe. I believe. How can you say God's in control? And the devil says, if God was in control, why would he let all this happen? I don't know. Maybe he's trying to get at something. I thought I believed. And we'll say this. I thought I believed. And I can't believe I'm so worried. I thought I believed. Well, you did believe, but not at this depth. Deeper. Deeper. You know what the benefit of great storms are when you come through? Small storms don't ever scare you no more. You come through the Red Sea, swollen brooks and Jordans don't. The brook is swelling. You're like, buddy, no fear. When you come through a great depression as a believer, you're different. And some of you think this storm is God's lack of control. And it's the tool. It's the very instrument that's going to carve out insecurities and weaknesses and vulnerabilities. And he's going to fill it with concrete. Uncle Buddy Robinson used to say, and give you a backbone like a saw log. Tenacity, strength. For you to say, God, I know you're in control when you lose. God, I know you're in control when you're attacked. God, I know you're in control when heaven is silent. When life is difficult. When the things are happening, God didn't mention them. And he's being quiet and he's not explaining them. But for you, you've already settled in your mind that God sits over the circle of the earth and the circle of your life and he is in control. He's in control. He's not reacting. That right there, if you catch a revelation of that, he, uh, he told Jeremiah, he said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I'd already planned for you to be a voice to the nations. Wait a minute, now what? Before your mama met your daddy. How can it? I've already, I've already planned this out. I've already planned this out. I have things for you, things you're going to experience, highs, lows. Some have suffered more loss than the others, and... I humbly submit this to you. If the Lord is perfect, and his knowledge is perfect, and his heart is love, then he knows that loss for some people is the most effective pruning tool. And other people, it's loneliness. He'll allow, but he also compensates. I know people that are lonely in one part, but the Lord has put them into multiple families and they have fellowship. And you, you have to be able to see the goodness of God in the storm and know that God is not in control only when the sun is shining. He runs my life. He's responsible for it. He's responsible for it. What of the storm? I don't have an answer. Except that God orchestrates my life. Number three, 
It said the fierce storm came up and high waves were breaking into the boat. And it began to fill with water. Breaking into the boat. Not coming over the side. Breaking into the boat. So we're not getting like water over the top. The boat is coming apart. They doubted uh, God's timing. Because the Bible said the boat began to fill with water. And what do full boats do? Okay. We're doubting his timing now because if, if you let this keep going, here's what we'll say. Lord, if you don't do something by Tuesday, just forget the whole deal. The boat. You know, I'm, I'm 38 and the, the clock's ticking. What did Sarah tell you when she took the microphone when we talked about Abraham and Sarah? She said, when the clock stops ticking, if God wants you to have a baby, you're going to have a baby. We talk about windows closing and clocks ticking and we don't know the word of the Lord. Yes, she's right in the natural. But God is supernatural. And he told Sarah, you're going to have a baby. And when God tells Sarah she's going to have a baby, she's going to have a baby. Even though 25 years later, the angel come back, you're going to have a baby. That's what you said 25 years ago. Have you seen the old man? And Abraham said, have you seen the old woman? So her womb is dead. His seed is dead. You might as well have a virgin birth. Same to God. Same to God. So for Abraham, his storm was wait. The wait, time, the gap. For you, your storm could be opposition. It could be misunderstanding. It could be weakness. It could be loss. It could be limitation. Just don't lose sight of the promise and the person in the storm. The person's in control. Trust God with the timing of it. God loves to do too late. I brought my little girls home from the hospital when I was 50 years old. Kelly coined it perfectly. She said, it's the greatest gift you never knew you wanted. Perfect timing. How can you say perfect timing? You know, you're supposed to get married at 18 with your high school sweetheart and have kids by 21. And that's what the TV tells you. And two Hallmark movies later, you know that God's cursed you because you're 25 and you're not married. Or You know, it's not going to work. Because God has specific plans. And I'll tell you one of them to my detriment and his glory. If I'd have had children when I was 24, 25, I wouldn't have been a good daddy. I wouldn't. I didn't say you couldn't. I was selfish and I was immature. And Isabel and Olivia deserved better than I would have been. So we have to give our plans up to him and let him work them out and knowing, as for the Lord, his way is perfect. That means not only is the destination perfect and not only is the pathway perfect, but the pace is perfect. Now, I'm not trying to hype you. I'm at, don't answer out loud. Do you believe that, though? If you believe his pace is perfect, you wouldn't try to twist his arm in prayer to make him do something quicker than he wants to do it. You can tell him. Now, how would you work through that? Okay, let's say you're wanting a child, and you and your husband are older, or you just want one desperately. And you say, Lord, I believe you, and I'm really struggling with 
with the years that pass, every time I go to a baby shower, Lord, a part of me feels like it's dying. And there is nothing in my flesh that appreciates or enjoys this, comma. But I know you know me. And I know that you are too wise to make a mistake and too loving to be unkind. And I trust you with the pace of my life. That's honesty. So when the baby comes, you have navigated the doubts and all their difficulties. And you're concrete. Now you say, as for the Lord, his way is perfect. And that's why with this building, you know, I, I can only give you what I hear. And, you know, right now they're putting together another offer. But I want to tell you, I, I'm not in control of it. Hey, I ain't got a time schedule. We can stay here till Jesus comes. I'm happy. You think I want to build a building? I've never even built a shed. Jason did his little thing on YouTube, and he, I'm like, he built this shed. I'm like, what? You know, let's build a building. Like, but people say, well, what, what, what about what? I don't know. I'm, I'm not running this thing. I, I've learned, uh, you'd like to think as you grow older, you learn a couple of things. He sets the pace. That way he's responsible for it being done. You don't want to, listen to me, and younger people, younger people, who's younger? Younger than me, you younger people. Listen, let us older people help you. And who's older? When you see more salt than pepper, they're, they're going that way. It is my experience I would rather be five years behind God than one day ahead of him. Oh, Jesus. Some of y'all, don't, don't just look straight ahead. Don't even look at your spouse. Don't even look at him. Just look straight ahead. Do you believe in his timing? Do you believe in his word? Do you believe in his control? Do you believe in his timing? Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up shouting, now, this one is a good type. It's kind of hard to draw a parallel here, but I hope you'll see it. Jesus, the God-man, although he was God and in the form of God, humbled himself, became a man, humbled himself in the form of a servant. He was God and man at the same time. Don't listen to this preaching where he was just a man. He was God and man at the same time, and he limited himself. He limited himself. He brought upon himself... Um, certain limitations, but there's a uh, type here that you don't want to miss. When he was walking with the disciples, yes, he was a man, but he was also God. But he slept. So what in the natural was their experience, we experience it in the spiritual, but God doesn't sleep, but it feels like he is. It feels like he's not aware he feels, it feels like, you know, we're rolling in blisters and the, the, you hear and pieces of the boat coming apart and water's just coming in. And uh, I, I'm a, a bailer. I mean, you can row, but if, it's, if water's coming in, uh, maybe row with one hand and bail with the other or something. But get the bucket, get the water out. And what's Jesus doing? Now, you got to see this, and I'm not trying to be silly. Nothing. you got to have faith. When Jesus is doing nothing, I prayed. Roe, do you see the water? Do you see the hole in the boat? And then you got the analytical type A person. You know who you are. You're counting up about how long you have before you're dead. Everybody else is just rowing, and you're like, it's like three minutes, three and a half minutes. We're all gone. We're just, we're pacing. 
Not rowing, not bailing, we're pacing in the boat. I remember when the Lord spoke to me as a young believer about Moses in the Red Sea. It said, he, he spoke to my heart. Pacing will not make the Red Sea open any faster. It just won't. Get back to my notes. Y'all didn't like that point. I thought, thought it was really good. I lost my page, but Jesus seemed to be asleep. Screaming at him may wake him or arouse him to your situation. He's already aware, but it never pleases him. Don't you, Master, wake up! Oh, I need to get on the prayer chain and two or, th two or three agree of us to touching this one thing because God's not doing anything. Maybe if I get enough people and quote enough scripture, I can twist his arm and make him do something about this situation. And that's not discipleship. I can prove it to you from my life and yours. We don't believe Jesus is aware. That's why we spend the first 15 minutes of our prayer updating him on what happened. Lord, shut the door, put the kids out. Don't nobody bother me for the next 20 minutes. I'll kill y'all. I'll kill everybody. In Jesus' name. And the mama comes in and she goes, Lord, you're never going to believe this. Really? And tells all the details. Well, we're supposed to, no, no, no. We're supposed to go in and say, Lord, you know. And what we go in detail is not what happened, but our weaknesses and our failures and our insecurities and who we are. Make it always relationship. Don't update him. Confess. And Lord, I'm, 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 I'm struggling with this. And it seems like you're not doing anything. But I know who you are. Walk it through. Talk it through. So that you can look in the mirror. I keep going back to the same point. I believe. I believe that even when you're not active, you got a plan. What if the boat goes under? Well, he'll just drag you across the bottom and let you breathe underwater. I know that sounds silly, but that's what believers believe. Oh, that's not biblical. Abram said, I knew that if I killed him, you could bring him back. I knew. I'm not results driven. I'm God aware. And I'm not trying to figure out how I can make it. I'm trying to figure out how I can believe. I just want to believe. I'll leave the making it to you. Jesus is not asleep. He that keeps Israel does not slumber nor sleep. That verse where it says that the hairs of your head are numbered. I misquoted a moment ago. I said it incorrectly. He doesn't count the numbers of our head. It said they're numbered. Have you ever looked in the shower or in the tub? My wife has the fullest head of hair of any human being I've ever known. If I could just have just a little bit, just a little bit. Have you ever just looked in the bottom of your shower or your tub? And I'm not saying Kelly's tub's like this because she'll get on me. I'm not saying that. I'm not <laughs> saying that. I'm talking about your drain. your drain. Have you ever looked in your tub and went, my wife's going bald. She'll be bald-headed in about six months. Have you ever looked? So God knows, watch how current. Why would he put it in there? What does it matter to us that the hairs of our head are numbered? How does that help you in the daily orchestrations of your life? Because God wants you to know that he could sit down and say, okay, today, number 213, number 16,403, number 31,509, and he could list three, four, five hundred hairs that fell out. I'm current with you. 
When I saw that, it changed everything for me. I ain't going to update you no more. I'm going to walk this out with you. Warts and all. You're current. You don't have to explain. It, I mean, you can in a purging sense, but not in a, in a oh, you don't know sense. Lord, you're current with me. You know my down-sitting and my uprising. You know my thoughts are far off before I even think them. You're deeply acquainted with me. I don't have to wake you up. Don't ever doubt God's awareness. And then as we get to the close here, they doubted his care. Don't you care that we perish? Well, who told them they were perishing? They assessed their circumstances honestly and based on their experiences as fishermen, they said, we're dead men. The battle, I've taught you this before, is between the facts and the truth. The Pentecostal charismatic of today would be rowing, we're blessed, we're blessed, thinking if you sing a happy song, the water gets out of the boat. No. The facts are, your boat is full. The facts are, you're sinking. But the truth is, God said you're going to the other side. And you need to be more dependent upon the truth than the facts. And don't ignore them. Don't you care that we perish? This is my opinion. Scripture doesn't say this, but it's my opinion. I think it was the most painful thing ever said or done to Jesus. The soldiers scourged him. They beat him. They whipped him. They pulled his beard out. They set him upon a cross. But for these men that knew him better than anybody else to say, don't you even care that we perish? You notice he never answered that. I would rather doubt his provision, his protection, his power, his sovereignty, and his control than his care. That, is the, that shows true heart dysfunction. See, you can be at the end, wiping tears with anguish and sorrow, and still say, but Jesus, if I know anything in this world, I know you care for me. They doubted it all. Ben, if you would come, please. So Jesus got up. He said he woke up and he rebuked the wind. Do you think he just sat up on the boat and rebuked immediately? We know that he did this, but we don't know what happened between getting up and rebuking the wind. Could he, I'm not saying he did, but could he, could he have given the disciples that disappointed look, not manipulative, like he did when Peter denied him? Could he have said, And they knew they grieved his heart. Don't you care? He never replied. When I'm hurt the most, I don't reply. When I'm wounded, when I'm angry the most, I usually will walk off. Because the pain, I don't want the pain to be articulated. I believe it hurt him very deeply. He walked to one part of the boat. It wasn't a huge boat, but big enough for men, grown men, to walk up and down in and have fish in and the other. And he said, he spoke, the Bible said he was speaking to the wind and the water. And he said, 
peace. Be still. Now, not only did the wind stop, and these guys that fish, you know what I'm talking about. If you're out in the middle of a lake or a small sea, when the wind stops, it's not calm for another hour. The waves are like this. So the waves and the water stopped. I wonder, again, I, I don't know. We know he said, peace, be still. I wonder if he leaned over to, hey, remember me? Creator? leveled off why would he record that because nature responds quicker oftentimes than believers stop and then he turned and he said why are you so fearful James why are you so how is it that you have no faith? Why are you so fearful? The unanswered question. Because there was just so much going on they had to deal with. And the Lord sees people like you and I. And he's asking us that not to make us feel bad, but to bring out of us, work through that doubt thing, to bring out of us a faith that cannot be shaken. And he brings us to that place through storms, through loss, through lack, through trial. And I can prove it to you. The Bible said that they were amazed. They said, who is, who is this? I'm seeing J Jesus, watch. After this storm, I'm seeing Jesus differently than I ever have before. And later on in the life of Simon Peter, the Bible said that he saw James, the brother of John, thrust through with a sword. So here's Peter, and they run the sword through James. He falls dead, and they put that bloody tip on his nose and said, tomorrow morning, you're next. And in the same night, Simon was sleeping, chained to 16 soldiers. What did Jesus do on the boat? The death sentence tomorrow morning. So he's chained to these guys. So it's four quantarian, I think the King James says. I had to look that up. I don't know what a quantarian is. Six, Sixteen soldiers. And he's chained to them. He's like, hey, come this way a little bit. Come here, come here. Can, can you come this What? I've got to lay down. And moving. You step over here. You back up, big guy. Come on this way. And he laid down. And all night long, those soldiers for fear of losing their life if he got free. Listen to that man snore on the night before his execution to be. How do you sleep through that? Because the one that said, don't you care for us, learned later, cast all your care on him because he cares for you. The Lord wants you to believe in the person and in the presence of God. Would you bow your heads this morning? I'm not going to ask you to come to the altar. I'm going to ask you today, do you have a half hour for the Lord? One half hour. Where you take that Bible and go in a room by yourself 
and say, show me, Lord, where I don't believe. I, I want to confess. I want to work through these. I want to be a believer, one that believes in every situation, every circumstance. I don't mind failing. I just don't want to not believe. I, I don't mind uh, not looking a certain way in front of people. But I don't ever want to accuse you of not caring in my heart. I believe, Lord. I believe, Lord. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Glory to the Lord. With no one looking around, if there's a commitment in your heart to dig up that old promise, to no longer rationalize your doubts and say, Lord, I'm going to deal with them in your presence. I just want you to stand. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. No one looking around. I'm going to do it with you, Lord. I, I, it's too important. It's too important, Lord. It's too important. If you're standing in the middle of a storm right now, and you say, I believe you. just want you to know God. I believe you. I want you to stand. I want you to stand. I want you to stand. I believe, Lord. Father, as we go out from this house, knowing that we have no control over anything, may the revelation of your control transcend us so deeply that we can sleep through anything. Trust and obey where there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you today.